This is the Radioactive Summer Break, giving you more music discovery and community conversation. Weeknights at 6 here on KRCL. I'm Laura Jones. And now, Dr. Susan Madsen of the Utah Women and Leadership Project about her team's latest research. As women's political presence and influence have slowly continued to increase, Dr. Madsen and her crew are researching the ways that women have been represented in the media to show you clearly how the Fourth Estate portrays female political figures in Utah. All right, so let's talk about this new study that you've released here at the 1st of July, an analysis of how women in politics are represented by Utah media. Here we go. Tell us what we've been doing as the media, Susan. (laughs) So I've actually been wanting to do this study for a couple of years because we are looking at so many things at the Utah Women in Leadership Project in terms of of how much progress have we made, you know, in politics and business and nonprofits and government and so forth. However, we also want to look at some of the finer tuned, subtle messages that come through that can be impacting the way we make our decisions, the way we see women as leaders specifically. And uh, media is a big one. And so I thought what um, I would do was really put together a team that could look at, and we, f- we wish we could have focused on radio and television and everything else, but what we decided, and I had bigger goals, but it has taken a while just to do four newspapers. Which ones? So we did, we did the Salt Lake Tribune, the Deseret News, the Daily Herald, and this and the standard out of Ogden Standard um, Examiner, and so those are the four biggest newspapers in the state of Utah, and we limited it to those newspapers, but we really wanted to look at throughout time. So we we looked at articles. We did a sampling of articles from 1995 to 2020. That's an so, interesting uh, period of time, considering where we are here in 2021. Well, we and, wanted to move in Oline Walker because she got a lot of press, and we thought that would be interesting to do a few from back in the day. We did more from the last five years, though. Mm. So let's talk broad overview of what you found. How's the media doing in covering uh, female candidates? And and. And was it in comparison to men? I mean, how did you set up the methodology, in essence, of analyzing this? That that actually was a lot of work to figure out, and we didn't not we didn't do a direct comparison to men. That would be another study for us. Uh, what we did was do an analysis of what popped up for women in the state, and then compared it to other studies nationally that had done both and really had done some research on both and what we know. And then we really in our report, we lay out, you know, of the, we ended up doing a little bit short of 400 articles. We uploaded them into a program and did detailed coding. So there was quite a, it's a program called Deduce. It's qualitative research. So we uploaded each one and then coded everything in it to really have some good data. And we had a number of researchers, four researchers working on this for the last uh, six, nine months here, here and there. And so we, what we found was, you know, 383 articles. So what we have is really what we found 
how they talked about women and then again came to looking at the literature, the published research already and what they found in general. And and so we can see that. But down the road, it would be nice to really try and do apples to apples exactly. But we found some very interesting things, some surprising things to me, actually. Such as? Well, um, we most of the time, and, and I think TV and radio would be different, because when you go to written press, you're, you have an editor that looks through things. You make sure everything's good to go so you can double check at times your biases. I think on radio and stuff, you're just flipping out. So, you know, f- not flipping out, Laura. But <laughs> <laughs> Well, I don't know. My day has been really hard today. So maybe. But no, I get, I get what you mean. There is so, a little bit more fact checking, a little more other eyes and hands on the piece. Yes, exactly. So what we found, though, our number one over 50% of the articles that we analyzed really did talk a lot about the candidate's background. And what we know from, you know, that happens with all candidates, men or women, but what, what we know really strongly from the research that's been out there for decades is that women's backgrounds are analyzed differently than men's oftentimes. So women, there's more coverage of family, on personality, on just, you know, if they finished college, if they didn't, you know, and and their whole career path, more of those things. She took career breaks and she had this many children. All of those things are, you know, the national research tells us that women are just treated differently. Now, men are talked about in or asked by media or discussed by media about their backgrounds in in general. But what we know is in our sample, lots of questions or lots of questions if they were interviewing, but lots of writing about those things that you don't typically see men men's lives written about. Their haircut, um, their clothes, et cetera. Yeah. Well, that's, that's actually even a different theme. We pulled out appearance and that was, I'll shift to that one because I was actually... Um, women notice that a lot, that that they're focused. I was surprised that that wasn't our number one. It was definitely there and w- was found in the, in the articles that came forth. But I think on TV and radio, you might even see more of the appearance. So it could have been cut out <laughs> for some of them. So we still see it wasn't our top one. But when I talk to women in elected position around the state, they sure notice that a lot. How does media write about that? Do you find, uh, I mean, like I was asking earlier about viewing this through the lens of how they write about men as well. I mean, that would, would seem to me to be the hardest thing to analyze in a vacuum. Like we're just focusing on this without this comparison. Yeah, absolutely. So women, I'm looking at the article right now, and uh, the media questioned a candidate's potential effectiveness based on her physical appearance. Here's, Here's one comment from an article. But what about image? The image upon first glance of a kindly 72-year-old, this is about Olene Walker, who is generous with hugs and quick to smile. Does she have the, I don't even know that word, like the stamina to be elected. So wow. though that that was a quote specifically from about I remember all this. Like, does she it's like she was lieutenant governor for how long? But now suddenly. Uh, yeah. So I, let's 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 continue this like the tone. You're also talking about tone there. 
Absolutely. We had a whole section actually on tone as well, the different tones taken um, in the articles. And what would be fascinating, again, I wish we would have compared, you know, men to women specifically in Utah, but we we didn't. But, you know, what's interesting is, and this is going to seem really like duh, but it kind of hit me when we saw the results was that if if women ran more negative campaigns, there were more negative comments about her in the media. If a woman ran, and I expect maybe the same as for a man, but I thought this was really interesting to document. If she ran a more positive campaign, there were more positive comments in the press. That seems so surface, Laura, but I don't know. To me, I went, ah, that's so interesting. Um, and so I, again, can't compare that to, to men, but I thought the tone in general, I think it was a great study for us to look at tone. Mm. And um, uh, bottom line, um, about, let's see, 35% of the articles were more positive and about 31% were more negative. So they were tagged in our research as negative. So that's pretty equal in positive and negative. But what we do know from the existing literature, though, is men can get away with negative tones better than women can. Because of the perception of personality traits being like an assertive woman is bossy and assertive man is a leader. Absolutely. That and... Women are are really expected to be kinder. We're expected to be self-sacrificing. We're expected to be, you know, just kind and nice. And that's what women do, right? So, and, and, and you know, Laura, you and I have talked about this already, <laughs> uh-uh. that when a, in, in past years, when a woman is assertive, she is viewed as aggressive, when a man is assertive, he's viewed as assertive. Yes, yes. So the same exact, mm-hmm. there's been research out there, the same exact words, body language, a woman is viewed as aggressive. Yeah. So you have to be, and, and women of color, of course, especially black women. I, I know many black women have had these conversations they really have to be careful um, because of the perceptions around that. So yeah. you have to be, where do I want to, I need to be strong, especially in politics, right? There's so, so much turmoil and argumentation and so forth that women have to watch themselves. And most women do, Laura. I don't think men worry about that as much, but women do have to say, you know, how am I going to do that? How much am I going to push? I can't be totally authentic Mm -hmm. in some situations because people, masculine, I mean, leadership and politics is still viewed as a masculine activity. And then with the late former Lieutenant Governor Olene Walker, when uh, her image is that of grandmotherly, supportive, encouraging, and fostering, it's weaponized against her, as well does she have the stamina to lead and be governor and be mean or be hard or be firm. And assert- And it just drives me absolutely crazy. So I know that 
you have engaged in this work uh, uh, to reveal it. Yes. But it's yes. still got to be like a dagger in the heart every now and then, Susan. <laughs> yes, it does. And and, and I really do. I, I'm glad you, you said that because we do this kind of research at the Utah Women and Leadership Project to try to educate mm. in all ways, to raise awareness. And I think so many people like you in the media really do want to be good in coverage, you know, covering things in accurate ways, in equitable ways. I, I really do see that with a lot of people that I work for at even the four papers I've mentioned that we did analyze. What we do know, however, is that we all have so many more unconscious biases yeah. than we do conscious. Most of what we do is unconscious. So if we were raised to expect m women to do certain things and men to do th certain things, even if we think we're not being biased, those little things come out. And even mm. words, positive words, Laura, there's so much research around, around, let's just say this might seem off track, but I think we could pull it over, but letters of recommendation. So if if a man and a woman request a letter of recommendation from their boss, let's say, or or nomination for an award or something, without thinking the boss, whether it is a man or a woman, will use words in a male's letter, even if they're equal in their minds, in every way, fabulous, both of, you know, they appreciate both. They will use driven and assertive and gets the job done and task oriented and they'll write wonderful things in the woman's letter but those words will be what do you think um kind and collaborative and and um help me out more more words i'm going blank but uh empathetic Humble, and, modest. Uh, gets, yeah, gets along helps with others. People. Yeah. Yes, yeah, those things which are positive Yet the research says who will get the promotion. Yeah, yeah. The yeah. letter uh, that has more masculine. And I'm sure mm. that seeps into the way even the adjectives that we use to describe women and men in media. Well, there's so many layers to this study that you've you've just released to the public that I think are interesting because as a consumer of news, you can go, oh, so these are at play in the media. At the four news houses have got to be looking at your data going, ooh, we can see how we have missed, whiffed, <laughs> how we have <laughs> even changed. Because like you said, you went back to the 90s to pull in the coverage of uh, the former and the late Lieutenant uh, Governor Olean Walker. But as you get into the Me Too era, did you see changes in coverage? We really, it, we couldn't analyze exactly around the Me Too with, with what we did, but we definitely saw that there were early on more, you know, outward um, bias, uh, hostile bias is what we call it, or not a more conscious bias, let's put that out there. Um, and then when we move into, you know, the last five years or so, you definitely see the, it's more subtle, it's more unconscious. I do think sometimes, you know, depending on the journalist or the reporter, it can it can be more than subtle. However, I, I believe these days uh, we do see it, but it really is unconscious. That's that's why I talk about unconscious bias all the time and doing really good, high quality um, training and workshops. I think all media, I actually, Laura, all of us should engage in those, but particularly media. 
And not to slap or blame and shame, it's actually a real positive conversation in helping people say, oh, I wonder if that sneaks out. You know, go back and look at some of my old articles that I wrote and do, you know, do a self-analysis of language. Well, I think that's a great activity for all of us. Well, and I think it's really easy to look at a candidate, a female candidate like Hillary Clinton and see what's going on closer to home. It becomes easy to say, oh, that's just the national picture. That's just Hillary, who's a polarizing figure. No, this is happening at a fundamental level. And that's where I think your data can help reveal and make people aware and whether they choose to change, who knows. Yeah, absolutely. And of course, when we looked at the the articles that talked about meal love, you know, the the gender issue was there and also the race issue. So we know from the research that um, that women who especially women of color really do kind of have to wrestle with and manage and navigate, I should say, both of those things, you know, how we're supposed to look as a woman, how how um, what's interesting in that appearance and the way we, you know, the styles is that leadership is still masculine, yet women, and it's called, you know, this, the double bind, it's called this. So men are, leadership is masculine, but women need to be feminine. Mm-hmm. And so they, they, those two things kind of are, you know, hit heads a little bit. Yeah. And so finding you saw that so much in Hillary Clinton, uh, because she had the pearls, you know, she was feminine. She had the yet, she, yet to even be taken seriously. She had to get in there. She had to interrupt sometimes. Now, we know all kinds of things about interruption. <laughs> oh, yes. Women get interrupted, but when women interrupt, unless they there's there's some <laughs> authentic. Like if a woman is an athlete and she came comes across as that, and it's very natural that way, she's not judged quite as bit. But it's very unnatural for women to get in there and interrupt. But my gosh, how can you say any? How can you get any word in if you are interrupted by men all the time and don't? kind of needle your way in, right? Yeah. Well, Dr. Madsen, where can people check out this data and all your other fabulous research? Well, thank you for asking. I always love it when you ask. So uh, we moved last year to Utah State University, but the easy website is utwomen.org. And you can sign up for our newsletter um, um, right on that homepage, but there's a research tab that'll take you to as much research as you will ever want. Um, and, and it's fabulous research. We have a lot coming out uh, each month now. Thank you so much for giving us your time. Thanks so much, Laura. Dr. Susan Madsen of the Utah Women and Leadership Project. Check tonight's show notes for a link to the study and the other things that Dr. Madsen and her team are working on to strengthen the impact of Utah girls and women. I'm Laura Jones, and this is the Radioactive Summer Break. Coming up at 7, Democracy Now!, Vagabond Radio with Barbie at 8, Connor and the Late Night Lowdown at 10.30, Chovy's Super Sounds at 1 a.m., and don't forget to start your brand new day with John Florence, weekday mornings at 6 a.m. I'm getting out of here now with some Jade Bird. Now is the time on KRCL 90.9.